What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 275 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to talk about our results from week 15 in the NFL, as well as some interesting stats and storylines. We'll go over the injuries of note. Joey, I mean, fuck a Monra. You're the sun god now. I mean, it was a good weekend for sure. You know, didn't play much on DraftKings this week. Played a couple Saturday lineups. Obviously, those got absolutely torched. Up in <laughs> after flames. The first game. Um, and then had a couple of props going in, in the early games as well. And Jonathan Taylor got hurt. That kind of sold one. Then I played Nick Chubb and Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker has his worst game of the season. So uh, going into Sunday night, I'm like, oh, of course, like th- this is just a standard afternoon. <laughs> but then I crafted together a nice, perfectly fucking green six out of six slip for six twenty five. Bang! We we sweated that on stream. Shout out to us. Vibes were immaculate. Bang. Vibes vibes were so high. Then I had already had a bet in on underdog because it's important to line chop. You know, if I don't place this bet on underdog, if I place it on price picks, I lose. So I placed the $25 bet on underdog with the money that I got back from round one of best ball, which is the regular season. I had like $50. I placed a $25 five-legger, bang that for 500 Shout out to Jared Goff and Justin Fields for going under. Mm. And then it continued into Sunday. I hit three more five out of six entries. I hit a four-leg NBA entry, all greened out for 100 Just an incredible day. And, I mean, just got to attribute our cold open on the Thursday podcast. I mean, we talked about positive mindset, positive reframing, and, you know, it worked out this weekend. And, you know, in that, in that intro, I said, what if everything that we went through was leading up to the future and making a good amount of money in? guess what it happened so if that's not evidence of speaking stuff into existence mm. i don't know what is well said man and i mean yeah like three days later after recording that that cold open you're up like what 12 1300 bucks yeah just about 1300 and, and and then i will say like it's also hard to not think about like what could have been and the losses oh yeah because specifically for me i had two six pick slips that went five of six and they both missed by 0.5 James Conner, over 16 and a half attempts. He finishes with 16. He got no work in the first half. Okay, that I mean, that that's just hard not to think about. Daniel Jones, his promo was over half a passing touchdown. And, of course, this is one of the only games of the season where he doesn't throw a touchdown. That would have been like another $1,000 right there. So it's hard not to, to think like, damn, it, it could have been a magical weekend if just those other few things go my way but I already had a lot go my way so I truly can't be complaining it, it was a great weekend yeah no I, I'm I'm happy for you congratulations finally hit some of those six legs on prize picks hard to do and, and you banged in that you banged in the five legger on underdog so so shout out I mean I feel like we've been really locking down the process on you know these picks and I mean went three for three on the YouTube video this week went five for five and what I posted on the discord yesterday morning yeah, you, had, you had a good week too I did I did not not all, quite to did. the scale uh, that you had but I hit two four leg props on prize picks several two leggers hit 
two five out of sixes as well. Just like the process was there. And I mean, hopefully people out there are in the discord checking things out. A lot of our community members also did well this week, you know, yeah. green, green all around in the DFS dose discord. So shout out to everybody who was on uh, the core because the core fucking smashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I guess my last question is, is props and whatnot more profitable than DFS long term? I think it's a fair question to ask after winning $1,300 in one day than never winning that amount in DFS. Sure. I think that it's a it's a fair question. I mean, I've I've posed it to you as well at various points, like thinking maybe supplementing, you know, two leg power plays and stuff like that might be optimal in terms of like the allocation of money that you would use for cash games because of the state of cash games in DFS right now and how difficult yeah. they are. At the same time, I mean, you are ultimately playing a peer-to-peer game in DFS versus trying to beat the books, and it's different. And I, I truly don't know. I think I would need somebody who's a little bit better at math to like sit down and explain to me the exact EV of this stuff. I have a solid grasp on it, but just not solid enough to give a definitive answer on that. I think that in some scenarios, if you're betting very smart, it can be extremely plus EV on price picks, especially when they're giving out discounted lines. And if you line shop and you know get stuff in early before stuff moves, but it's just very difficult to do, um, as is DFS. So I don't know the answer to that. I think that both have their place in the space. I think you can grind out a more realistic expectation for profit and props. But, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday after the slate and we were looking back at the way that we played things. It's like you're never going to have the chance to win, you know, 50 bands, you know, off of a a low dollar entry or or get like true life changing money the way that you can in DFS. So maybe looking at DFS more so strictly from a tournament perspective and as a way to, you know, get life change or access to life changing money in a realistic way makes sense. But I I don't know, man, I I don't have the answer to that question. I think it's something worth thinking about, though. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I mean, I agree with the point of, you know, you could turn a little bit of money into a lot of money with DFS and DraftKings and whatnot, you know, especially if you run good and you hit for, let's say, 50 or 100 or a million, even if you're uh, playing in those specific contests. So, yeah, I agree with that point. But I, I, I do think, like, with props and stuff, like, yeah, it, it is easier to put $25 on a, on a two-legger instead of putting $25 into a $25 double up and only needing two players to do well instead of needing like five or six players to do well to cash in double ups. But I, I agree. We're not the math guys. We don't know the EV behind everything and all of that. So we'd have to figure that out. But definitely something to think about uh, for next season specifically. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, in terms of DFS this week, you said you didn't play too much. I played a little bit and I got completely smoked, especially in cash games. And it all came down to a 2v2 that I was deciding between pre-lock. You know, I was looking at Jamar Chase this week, 8,300, as an absolute stone-cold priority. The thing with the construction that that I was in that that forced me into, you know, ultimately the wrong call was, was prioritizing Chase. And what that left me with was 4K in the flex. I had Nelson Aguilar slotted in with 600 on the board for some late flex optionality. I, I was sort of waiting to see how things played out with the early quarterbacks in Mahomes and Hurts who totally smashed and you know I had that 600 on the board didn't utilize it if I hadn't left that money there the 2v2 swap would have been to CeeDee Lamb and Zay Jones 
I opted not to make that call. Zay Jones scores three touchdowns at 30% owned in cash, gets 100 yards, completely smashes the slate, and, and that's all she wrote. So, you know, like I said, smoked in cash games. That's on me. Made the wrong 2v2 call. Also, I mean, in terms of, you know, running semi-hot yesterday, I had one lineup that I thought had a shot yesterday. All right, going into the early games, I had three players, Tony Pollard, who had a middling game, Zay Jones, who went nuclear, and Juwan Johnson at 1% owned in the $50 single entry red zone on DraftKings. He gets two touchdowns at 1%. Mm. I, I'm looking mint. You know, I've got my whole lineup left. I've got Herbert, double stack to Mike Will, Keenan. I got Derrick Henry on the bring back. Derrick Henry's trucking along throughout the game, on, and I'm just waiting for this Chargers double to turn up. But as was the case in my cash lineup, as was the case in this main GPP team that was off to a fire start, the Chargers completely tanked me. And you kind of tried to warn me about this all week and, and the Chargers being a team that perpetually disappoints. And, you know, shocker, they completely disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to throw away the projections and numbers and understand teams and just look at it from a literal fish perspective. This is a team that when you expect them to perform well and do well, they underperform and they have for years. What is going to change? You know, (laughs) like (laughs) it's that simple for me. Like, you know, that may sound stupid. But when you have the highest of expectations for this Chargers team, they have shown, even with this current set of skill position players, that they cannot get the job done. And I would just advise anybody, and even you, and I, and I know like it's hard because you edit the podcast, so you're already listening to us talk a bunch. But Sunday morning, go back and listen to what we're saying. Listen to each other and take our advice. I did make a cash lineup, even though I didn't play that much. My lineup finished with 133.3 points. Good enough to get over the the cut line, which was 130. I played Jalen Hurts in cash. Mm. He scored 39.70 points. Pretty sure he was QB1 overall on the slate. If you go back and listen, I laid it out perfectly as to why you should be playing Jalen Hurts over Justin Herbert in cash for only a thousand more. So that is just my advice is go back, take a quick listen, put that shit on 2x speed, get through that shit in 15 minutes and just give yourself a refresher on what we were on. Because usually what we say on that podcast does happen. Yo, I got to be honest. I've been thinking about that and it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because we, we record that podcast on Wednesday afternoon, you know, oftentimes before we have even ownership projections. And it's just like we're looking at the slate and we're seeing things very clearly, you know, obviously. And, and then, you know, Thursday happens. We start to galaxy brain. Friday happens. We're fully galaxy brained out. Saturday happens. We're on the stream and, and we're just going into every potential scenario and overthinking things, overanalyzing things. And on Wednesday, it's just it's just good thoughts. It's just the pure, clear thoughts before you get a chance to dive just yeah. a little bit too deep into things. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm telling you, like, because I go back and listen after, especially after the slate, just to see, like, if the process was correct, if we were on the right plays and whatnot, j- just to make sure, like, we're, we're on the path, especially for the people listening and taking our advice and whatnot. So I go back, listen after every slate, and we had literally a five to seven minute conversation between us about whether or not you should be playing Justin Herbert or paying up to Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts in cash. And I feel like I laid the argument out pretty good against playing Justin Herbert and you still play Justin Herbert in cash. So that hurts. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, like when it comes down to the... Uh 
like the chargers are, are going to disappoint thing. Like that could have been looked at in a couple of different ways. Like they're, they're seven and seven. Like would it have shocked you if they won this game, won the next game and then waited until they were like on the fringe of the playoffs and disappointed in, in week 18, like things can just happen. I'm, I'm not going to try and like get too micro and like predict when a, a perpetually disappointing team is going to disappoint. This seemed like a spot where they could have rolled. And I don't think that that would have like changed the uh, DNA of the team. And all of a sudden they're, they're not a disappointment disappointing squad that can disappoint you know i i feel like the projections were were great and we talked about as well that the tennessee titans are a pass funnel and maybe we need to be like addressing that we talked about that on this podcast last week so like it, it goes both ways i think and and i don't want to read too much into one call but but i do hear you and that is something that i i truly don't do because by the time that like we record the podcast i go back through and edit it i'm gucci on listening to it but maybe maybe i should do what you're saying and throw it on 2x sunday morning before lock and maybe just you know remind myself of of what I thought a few days ago instead of what what I'm thinking in the current moment for sure and I guess my whole point just around the Herbert situation is like yeah you even mentioned it when you were just saying when you were just speaking you expected them to roll like this is a spot where they could roll that's where the disappointment comes in when you have that expectation against a pass funnel secondary that's when they disappoint and what do they do they disappointed once again but even from a process standpoint you know disregarding the the matchup and the potential pass funnel we talked about it on that podcast as well and Justin Herbert has just been a very lower ceiling quarterback this year and partially because of one the offensive system that he's in it's a very like low a dot offense and the skill position players like there is really nobody that can take the top off of the defense right now besides Mike Williams and you know he's not a separator like he's making big plays down the field due to his jump ball ability and his ability to just out muscle opponents like he's not burning anybody he's not stretching the field and in my opinion that offense is just very limited because of it Justin Hart Herbert's ceiling is limited because of it and for 900 and a thousand more I mean I thought it was clear-cut correct to get up to those higher ceiling quarterbacks in Mahomes and Jalen Hurts so like I said my lineup finished with 133 kind of had a similar similar lineup to you I played James Conner Kamara Keenan Allen went two cheap wide receivers in Aguilar Chris Moore Chiga Conquo at tight end over Dolchich after the Broncos quarterback news Jamar Chase in the flex and Titans defense don't hate the lineup Um, Maybe playing Chase over Derrick Henry was a mistake, but Chase still had a relatively solid day, 19 points, 133.3 for my lineup, and still feel okay about it. I mean, Aguilar is a a bum. I mean, we should have saw that coming. Yeah. Um, I I knew that was coming, but he he made the lineup work, and I ended up having an okay lineup, so... All right, let's talk about some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week and delving into one of the more popular options in cash games this week, Alvin Kamara. And my question is, is he washed? Because I can't really come to any other conclusion other than that he's just clear-cut donezo because he played 62% of snaps, one of his higher snap shares of the season. He got the workload, ran 21 times for 91 yards, got two receptions for 13. Like the workload was there. He had 23 touches. He's not old. He's not not dusty. He's only 27. He's never been seriously injured in his NFL career. He's played 13 plus games in every season, you know, never had like multiple injuries. And maybe it's like the injuries are catching up to him. He's not a big workload guy. He's never 
getting 300 carries in a year. It's not like his body is breaking down. And throughout his career, one of the things that has made Alvin Kamara so good is his ability to avoid contact. Like he seemingly just slips through massive hits. So there's no logical explanation here to explain why Alvin Kamara is not producing in the way that we've expected and the way that we've seen him produce in years past, other than that he is just washed. And, and, And I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Yeah, I I don't understand. I mean, should have seen this coming, bro. Like, he's been so bad all year, and then we expect him to just turn it around because we have these we have this preconceived bias around Kamara that, you know, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL with one of the best roles, and that's just not the case. Simply not this year. For whatever reason, they are not utilizing him in the passing game as much as they did in his career uh, up to this date. And I mean, the the ceiling with Kamara is just super, super low. He finishes with 12.4 points and he only has two games this season on DraftKings with over 20 points. And that came in week five and week eight. Brutal. And and I, I don't think it's going to turn around this season. Maybe next year, you know, Jameis Winston exits the lineup. We think, you know, Dalton's going to come in. Maybe the check down start rolling and it just doesn't happen. So I don't know, man. I'm out on Alvin Kamara for the rest of the season. I guess I'll just leave it at that. You know, every everybody in the best ball streets is, you know, talking about who's who's the player you need. We're in the playoffs now. You know, all my teams got eliminated. Shout out to me. Uh, all your teams got eliminated. Shout out to you. <laughs> and that's because we didn't have any Jarek McKinnon. You know, Jarek McKinnon, it turns out, we've, we've been asking ourselves all offseason, is the one that you needed, okay? For the second straight week on DraftKings, he was the highest scoring running back on the main slate. 10 attempts, 52 yards and a touchdown, 8 receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown, 34.2 points on DraftKings. It was his second time this season playing over 60% of snaps. I wouldn't be shocked to see him be in that range going forward. I think he's the running back that the Chiefs trust the most right now and Isaiah Pacheco fumble yesterday strengthens that case and Jarek McKinnon for this final stretch of games and going into you know playoff DFS and playoff best ball I think is going to be a major factor yeah I mean Jarek McKinnon has looked very solid out there right and he just plays in super high leverage situations which is ultimately a cheat code in fantasy football especially on this offense right like he's playing in negative game scripts as the pass catcher that actually gets utilized out of the backfield, unlike CEH in prior years, right? Where we expected him to have that role, but that never happened. So he has that role. He has some base work as well. And, you know, they just have a good thing going. They have Pacheco, a violent between the tackles runner for when they're up and they can salt away games and he's been good. And then they have Jarek McKinnon, one of the best pass catching running backs in the NFL that has juice left. You know, he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires because of the injuries that he suffered throughout his career. And that's obviously been showing over the past few weeks. And his role is just super valuable. And Jarek McKinnon is on 8% of remaining best ball mania three teams and he is absolutely going to be the guy you need with a matchup against Seattle next week and then Denver to end things Jarek McKinnon is looking like a league winner along with uh, your boy Zay Jones those are the two players that you need to be honest yep absolutely and and a little bit of KJ Osborne sprinkled in who who the fuck would have thought and I mean 
you know, it, it's obviously chalked for getting any profit on that with Jarek McKinnon and best ball now, but playoff best balls launch. They have the gauntlet live on underdog and the mitten is launching today on Monday. So I, I think Jarek McKinnon should be a key piece of chief stacks for the playoffs, especially with the state of their defense. Like we saw Houston give them trouble yesterday. I mean, I think McKinnon could be a, a, a very impactful piece in the best ball playoffs as well. As the leading expert in New England Patriots football, I have a question for you. I mean, what the fuck was going on with that last play of the game? The only explanation that I can reasonably come up with is that Jacoby Myers bet his entire life savings, his entire NFL salary on the Raiders' money line. I mean, no joke. NFL rigged Twitter got a big boost for their brain-dead argument between the Keelan Cole, you know, quote-unquote touchdown, and then that last play with Jacoby Myers throwing it backwards directly to a Raiders defender. Make it make sense please. I mean, to make it even worse, it was Chandler Jones. Ex-New England Patriots uh, disruptor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he was goaded on the Patriots. You know, one of, one of the best Patriots defenders that they drafted in, in the last 15 years, for sure. So that, that makes it worse. And, and I just think he was uh, trying to do too much. And, you know, when you do too much, that's what happens. Mm. Even outside of football, you know, when anybody in our life or us, just regular people, when you start doing too much, that's when things start to go awry. Mm. That's just a classic example of trying to be a hero, trying to extend a game or extend a play for absolutely no reason and just wasn't thinking. I mean, it's that simple. Literally, he probably blacked out, wasn't thinking, decided to try and make a play and obviously threw away the game and it hurts because that, that's my that's my boy. He's probably my favorite player on the Patriots right now and just uh, hurts to see, but maybe I, maybe I gave him some uh, bad juju because, you know, on the podcast, I, I did say take Raiders plus one. Mm. So, hey, I mean, that hit, that hit. That, that, that's how you know, bro. I, I, I would probably be so fucking rich if I bet on every Patriots game. I don't think I've been on the wrong side one time. Maybe like once or twice. I mean that that should be part of your uh your bankroll building going forward is just straight <laughs> betting on the Patriots game every single week. <laughs> like the spots are so easy to identify. I mean, obviously they kind of win on a fluke defensive touchdown, but the Raiders shouldn't have never been home underdogs. And I mean, they were pretty much winning the entire game. I mean, to be fair, it, it never should have been in that situation because Keelan Cole's touchdown was was wild. Oh yeah. I mean, just another whole job by the refs, but you know, that that seems to happen these days with the Patriots. Trust me, I would know. I mean, honestly, though, this was like an all-time week for bad ref calls. I mean, if you look at oh, the game bro, last it was night, horrible. it was unbelievable. Just unbelievable across the board. Yeah, I mean, the ending sequence, I didn't watch the end of the game. I watched the majority of it, but not the end. Um, that I saw it on Twitter. That was wild. Uh, maybe it was the right call. Maybe he wasn't on the LOS, but yeah, just horrific refing across the board and there just has to be a better system available. Like the NFL has so much money for technology and whatnot. Like all of these plays could be easily reversible. Like if there's a clear cut penalty, that isn't a penalty, just reverse the damn call and replay the down or something. I, I don't know what the solution would be, but I know you can reverse bullshit roughing the passer penalties or, you know, clear cut missed calls or get more cameras for the sidelines to have better angles. Like how is a broadcast angle from 90, feet above the only angle you have of the Keelan Cole catch like what happened to the pylon cams that's a good question like why aren't the pylon cams pointing north towards the stand and then east towards the actual goal line why isn't there two cameras in the pylon it makes too much sense they would never do that <laughs> 
I, I, I don't know, man. It's just and there needs to be too. sensors in the ball. Oh, I mean that too. that would be the easiest fix. Like that would literally it, it, that's something they could implement by next week. It would be so <laughs> easy to do, and I I don't understand why we're trusting you know, 65-year-old men's eyesight in real time with athletes blowing by them at full speed to be spotting balls and shit like that. It makes absolutely no sense, but... Yeah, just... That's why I don't get paid the big bucks. That's why I'm sitting here podcasting for free. All right, let's close out this show with the injuries of note. There were a few this week to touch on. The most impactful, I think, is Jonathan Taylor, who suffered a high ankle sprain on Saturday. Ian Rappaport reported this morning on Twitter that he is expected to be out for the year. Obviously, the Colts season is already dead, but, you know, for fantasy purposes, Zach Moss ended up actually outplaying Deion Jackson for the duration of that Vikings game, and deciding between those two could be impactful if you are still in it for redraft and looking for some waiver wire help in week 16 yeah i mean jt goes out on the third play of the game in the fantasy playoffs just just cruel but yeah i mean zach moss deon jackson probably going to form a committee if jt misses time and definitely the most impactful injury situation for the next round of the playoffs uh personally i got eliminated in one league already in another league that we're both in in our main home league um i need to fade like six points from Aaron Jones, which <laughs> I mean, if this weekend says anything and I, I've been running good, so I'm, I'm not giving up yet, but that's not looking too good, but got it. Got a team in the, in the semis next week. Yeah. That, that's definitely the most impactful and good luck to everybody. If you're still in the playoffs, few other running back injuries, Zonovan Knight uh, suffered a foot slash ankle injury. His status is unknown, pretty decent schedule for the Jets running backs over the final stretch here. They played Jacksonville on Thursday night football, Seattle and Miami over the next three weeks. I think Michael Carter is worth a speculative ad if anybody dropped him over the past couple of weeks since Bam Knight took over. Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter was supposed to be the guy once Brees Hall went down. That obviously ended up being Bam Knight, but without Bam Knight, Michael Carter could definitely have a role. And, you know, he had a couple good plays. He had a he had a catch against the Lions where like he just went on the defender's head top and, and just mossed them. So he has ability and he, he can play well in the passing game. Definitely have to see Mike White's status because that does determine a lot for the Jets offense from a ceiling standpoint for sure. And he may be out a few more weeks, so uh, we'll, we'll have to pay attention to that. And, I mean, Zach Wilson, he, he was okay yesterday. You know, I think you, you took his passing yards prop on prize picks. He smashed that, like, in, in the first quarter. I, I, I think the Jets' offense will be okay, but not as good as they are with Mike White. I mean, you guys want some free cash on DraftKings right now. The Jags are underdogs against the Jets next week with, with potentially Zach Wilson starting. I mean, goddamn. Take that what you still can. <laughs> Other injuries of note, Austin Eckler and Travis Etienne are two names to keep an eye on. Both suffered minor injuries during the game. They both made it back into the game and continued to grit it out, grind it out. But we'll have to monitor the practice reports. That is always a situation to look at when they suffer in-game injuries. Even if they do come back in, you know, that can just be like uh, the adrenaline running and, and the coaches not knowing the severity of the injury. We'll see how that goes. But definitely two impact players that will have to be cognizant of their status over the coming week yeah I would expect Eckler to be fine I mean he's not missing games in the fantasy playoffs it's it's just that simple <laughs> our hero he he's not like he got hurt yesterday there was no way he was not coming back into that game so 
Eckler, he's going to be fine. Etienne, I, I think he'll end up being fine, but definitely a issue that's probably going to linger for the rest of the season, but there's only two more weeks of the fantasy football season and three more weeks of, you know, the regular NFL season. So an issue that, I mean, probably will hamper him, but we don't really have to worry about it moving forward. Yep, he could definitely be in play to miss this week since it's a short week on the road. Tough defense. We'll see how that goes and talk about that in the Discord for sure. Last two injuries that we can touch on, and then we'll pop on out of here. Justin Fields and Ryan Tannehill. Again, two players that both left during the game, came out to finish, came back in to give you a sweat on your Justin Fields under. I mean, Fields oh is God. obviously the more fantasy-relevant player between the two. I, I imagine that he's fine. He looked good when he came back in. I mean, his run yesterday where he like literally slipped through defender after defender, pushing all the way. I mean, he stepped out. They didn't count the touchdown, but that was one of the most incredible runs I've ever seen by a quarterback in my life. I mean, Fields... Fields is literally electric. I love watching him play. But I think that honestly, he he's in jeopardy to be shut down for the season at some point soon. Like three and eleven record. He's shown enough. The Bears know what they have in him. The season is over. Like they they would be better off just letting Fields rest it out and, and get the team in a better spot to compete next year. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's probably correct. But I did I did see something that said he might be going for the rushing record. That's a good point. No, I mean, he's he's close. I think he's within 200 yards, which I mean, for him over three games, that's that's fucking like an expectation. He doesn't even have to go nuke for that. Yeah, like he need, he would need like 70 rushing yards per game over the next three to break Lamar Jackson's single season rushing uh, record for a quarterback. So I think that might be something that you know, they would play for. And I I doubt that he's going to sit the rest of the game. Yeah, Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. And and Ryan Tannehill, obviously we're not starting him in any format, but you know, I I would rather him be handing the ball off to Derrick Henry on his way to another 200 yard game against Houston next week than uh, Malik Willis. (laughs) Oh, they play Houston? Yeah. In Tennessee. GG's. (laughs) GG's to Houston. Yep, you could just uh, wait for Henry's prize picks line to drop. It'll probably come out tonight and and smash it. Put your life savings on it because he's going for 200. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's literally hey, I mean, stone. He is at home though, and he hasn't played well at home. And, you know, we talked about it on the pod, Derrick Henry and Domes this year. He kept up his streak of 25 plus DraftKings points. Yeah, I mean, that that was a lock. But is there ever a bigger lock than than... Henry against the Texans. I don't know. I'm not fading no. it. I, I don't care if this game was being played on the fucking moon. Like Henry's going <laughs> to run for 200 on these dudes. That is going to be it for episode 275 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.